So you're good to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talk to Danielle podcast. I am your host, Danielle C. Baker. And before I introduce uh, today's guests, make sure to like, follow, or subscribe to whichever channel you're watching or listening to. And uh, that way you get notifications every time we have uh, new episodes. And today I have a very special guest, a uh, good friend of mine. I like to consider her my good friend. We've been working yeah. uh, together as uh, accountability partners and uh, I just love her energy she does great work I have Sarah Udo uh, Grossfurtner and I hope mm. I pronounced this properly because my French oh, yeah. kind of tricked me okay that's good so Sarah is on she is an amazing author a beautiful story a powerful message so thank you Sarah for joining me today and uh, just so we get to talk yeah <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. I'm really excited. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for hosting me. And uh, yes, you are a friend. I do consider you a friend as well as my <laughs> accountability partner. We all need that. Yes, of yeah. course. And so really, I'm looking for... And, and what a wonderful uh, job you're doing out there. Watch your podcast. I see so many people that I've got that you've interviewed. So you're doing such Thank an you. amazing job. And I'm actually really proud of you because as your accountability partner i have to put that a little in there i know you're talking to me today but i just want to put that little bit in there to tell you you know spot on you're doing a fantastic uh, job so well done i'm excited thank to you be, uh, thank, thank you thank you i really appreciate yeah. that yeah, especially coming from you, I appreciate it. But we're going to put the spotlight back on you right now. And um, <laughs> before we get started with everything that you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us your story and, and uh, how you got here. Okay, well, my, my <laughs> name is Sarah Udo Grosswardnats. Already you know that. And um, I live in Vienna, Austria. Um, but I'm originally from Nigeria. I'm very much full African. And um, I'm a writer, as you know. I'm a um, storyteller. And mm-hmm. uh, I also sometimes do events. So I'm, I sort of wear a whole bunch of hats. So I hope uh, a whole few of them fit. And I'm a mother, proudly one. And um, yes, I've been writing for a few years now. And uh, my... Uh, my background, of course, is uh, my first degree was in international relations and uh, diplomatic mm. studies. And uh, my uh, second, the one we are kind of like going to be focusing on today is on professional writing from uh, Cornwall University, Falmouth College in Cornwall in England. And mm. uh, so that's it. I, I guess uh, you'll be, as you go in, you'll be knowing a little bit more about me. But on overview, the overview, that's who I am, Sarah. That's amazing. I keep learning. (laughs) Yeah, I I keep learning a little bit about you every time, and I love it. They're so interesting. Uh, We're going to be talking about your books very shortly, but you you do have this one was called uh, From um, Going from from Fearful to Fierce. And I just, that's a beautiful message. It's just one of the the very powerful ones. And you do talk about how on the journey to Mm self-discovery, you have to to step away from the crowd to be able Mm -hmm. to find your true self. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit, because that's not an easy and it's an ongoing thing. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the challenges that you would have had uh, to overcome when you decided that, okay, I'm stepping away from 
the mass so I'm stepping away from the crowd and yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be me authentically and unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it is. I mean, I once heard someone uh, said that who best to encourage another than someone who has gone through discouragement herself. So when I talk about stepping away from the crowd, it's something that I've had to also learn. And the challenges is, uh, uh, part of the challenges I've had to uh, overcome is the idea of knowing who you are. When you know who you are, uh, for example, I'm a, a people person. I like people around me. And so, one of the biggest uh, uh, challenges I've had to overcome is that knowing that sometimes you need to step away from certain, you know, certain people. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you go deep so much into people because you want to be around people so much. And then you realize along the way that certain people that you are around are not empowering you in any way. You can tell. I think sometimes we tell, but we make so many excuses for why we are in the crowd. You can tell. And when you are around uh, a crowd that's not empowering, it chips away <laughs> little by little certain essentials of you. And at a point, at a certain time, uh, you might find it difficult to actually recognize who you are because you're so used to being in this crowd. And maybe in order to want to belong in that crowd you sort of like maybe you you quote to certain things that you should not just because you don't want to be seen as mm, she's funny oh okay why she's doing that oh she's going to be like this this the sort of like underlining message that if in order for you to belong to our crowd you have to be a certain way and because right. you want to be in that you 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 start being a certain way until you sort of like if you're not careful you lose yourself. So mm-hmm. part of the challenges that I've had to overcome, and that's the point whole point of that book from fearful to fears, is uh, stepping away from that crowd, knowing that even though I'm a people person, stepping away from certain crowd, knowing that for the period it would take me to maybe find the right crowd for myself. I'm probably going to suffer a little bit, you know. It's sort of like, yeah. uh, you know, like withdrawal syndrome, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You're so used to thinking about people that now you withdraw from them and you start having, you start getting, oh my God, what am, what am I doing with myself? Because I'm such kind of a social butterfly. I needing to know that sometimes you need to step that for your own good and even to be able to give to other people. Because mm-hmm. in order for you to even be give to someone, you need to have, you cannot give what you 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 don't have. So you need to sometimes that those are the challenges. Some of the challenges, uh, or I would say that is one of the challenges I've had to overcome. Knowing mm-hmm. when to step away from a certain space or people or crowd or relationship even, and saying, you know what, if I keep going this way, I'm not going to be the person that I am meant to be, that I was born to be, that I was created to be. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a difficult, it is a big challenge, yeah, especially yeah. Yeah. when you get a, to people that are closer to you, if, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's family or very close mm-hmm. friends and you realize exactly. that mm-hmm. that's as far as it goes in terms of, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's very difficult. It's a big challenge. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you do it, it's, Opens up exactly. Sometimes you step later after you've done it, when you step back and you've been able to achieve that, you can think to yourself, Wow, how come 
I didn't think to do. Why didn't I do it all of this stuff? Why would I didn't think to do this. And you think about all the time that you have wasted in things and situations that you should not have given your time. And you're thinking, why did I think about you want to sort of like whack yourself on the head and think, why didn't I think about why did it take so long for me to come to this? <laughs> That's right. That's what yeah. they say. Like knowing, you know. That's why you know knowing yourself takes, you know, it takes courage, you know, to yeah. to really go into yourself because you're going to uh, you you're going to have to divest yourself of so many things and mm-hmm. you know stepping away from things that you've become accustomed to. It's not easy because you know they're like like habits. Like again, mm-hmm. I used withdrawal syndromes. Like people, if people are in alcohol, you're like the alcoholics that are drinking, and then you need to win them from that. It's very uncomfortable for for for, yeah. for for them. And you look how hard it is. And then if you're on the outside looking and you've never you tempted to think, but what is wrong with them? Can they not see that that's maybe killing them? But you don't know that stepping is no longer when something has overtaken you, it's not easy. I'm kind of like using that maybe in a way it's easy to because uh, when you think about uh, uh, stepping away from something, we tend to think about stepping away things that are uh, like uh, vices, you know. But what about relationship? We don't look at that, that, you know, on on constructive, you know, relationship. Mm -hmm. They are kind of like it's like it's a vice, a relationship yes. in which that is not contributing positively to your life, or yeah. that you may not even be contributing positively to. You cannot yeah. we we don't often see that it's also a vice. It's a vice that's also destructive because when you are in that kind, it it chips away from you, takes away from your confidence, takes away from the person that you're not even able to see straight. You're not that's even right. if have dreams you're not even because when you're uh, in a circle that you should not be you Mm -hmm. don't turn away from your life path and you're following a path that others who are probably sometimes maybe might even be stronger than you are saying okay this is a path that you follow and once you begin to follow that path you know the way paths are when you step away from one path and onto another path you begin a journey and so if you're beginning a journey on a path that's not meant for you, it means you've walked away from your path. That's and right. Walk, and the farther you go, the farther you go, you are, the farther the journey, the farther you go from who you are, supposed, who you are supposed to be, who you yeah. are created to be, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it takes uh, takes a lot of work. Yeah. And I find it takes more energy to get back into mm-hmm. it afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. of course. You're um you're you have several books and they all carry I find I find I love I love your books they carry a very powerful message there's a diversity of messages in it that's what I love you're such a great I have to say it you're a great storyteller and it's just it's just beautiful you. how you put <laughs> it into you. words but when um when would you say that you knew it was time for you to start writing to to put all of that on onto paper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my story, it actually started, the writing thing, I never actually knew that I was going to write, but I've always loved to read. Reading, mm-hmm. I, I started to read when I was very, very, like, books were everything to me. They were my friends, my companion, 
They were actually like people that I could talk to about things that I could not speak to other people about. And mm -hmm. at a point where I didn't even have someone that close to speak to certain things about me, books were really every books were everything to me, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think uh, uh, the defining moment for me of writing was one time, actually, I, let me say the beginning of the moment for me was when I was doing a, an MBA. I never finished that because I was doing an MBA and um, one, one, one day the lecturer asked us to write something, something to do with it, sort of like a little story around something. And apparently mine was really good, you know, <laughs> and he thought that I'd copied it from somewhere. And so mm. he called me into his office and said, you know what, we take plagiarization very seriously. When we ask you to do a job, we expect you to do it, you know, to be original. We don't expect you to take copy. Mm -hmm. And he just went on and on. I was just looking at him thinking, he didn't even ask me how I came by that. So when he was done talking, I thought to myself, how am I going to convince this man that I actually <clears> wrote that? What if I said he's going to look at me with suspicion, like did she actually write that? So I said to him, I turned to him, I said, you know what? Pick anything, anything on your desk, and I will write a story, write you on the spot. I'll write a mm -hmm. story around and it was at that point that he realized and then he then said if you're so good in the way that you describe things that you actually can see you describe it so well that people it almost as if you're sitting there seeing the picture like watching a television or something yeah. on television he said so then why are you doing an MBA and then he said don't get me wrong you're doing well but why it, it seems obviously that your strength is in writing why are you doing yeah. an MBA I don't know how to think to myself. So why am I doing an MBA? <laughs> you know, I'm very much passionate about people. I like to help people. I'm never yeah. going to have the kind of balls, call it that, necessary to just uh, like maybe even walk over my body to achieve that big business, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when he said that, I went back and thought, why don't I just take a course in writing? So I took a course in writing that was supposed to last two years, and I enjoyed it very much in creative writing. And then it was long distance. And after that, I now thought, by then I was like a, a year into, a little year into my MBA. And mm -hmm. I decided, and it was actually, and by then I was, so I said, okay, I'm going to stop the MBA because it's a lot of money, obviously, to spend. <laughs> and it's a lot of time studying. And I, by then I was also a mother. And it was hard hill going even to study for that. But because I mm -hmm. wanted it, I had to make time. So I said, let me study something that I know I'm really going to enjoy. And that's part of the self-knowing. And you could say that I was in a journey of knowing without actually knowing. So I, mm -hmm. I uh, stepped from that and I started uh, a writing program, a master's with uh, Falmouth University College, Falmouth University College in, in, in Cornwall in England. So that's how I stepped away to, to write. And then other things fall, no. But I'm not going to preempt the question. So I'll just <laughs> get like, sort of like, we work a lot and everything will, will unfold. Yeah. And actually, yeah. let me just say something about that writing because one of my books, um, but he calls me blessed. Huh? Mm -hmm. When the unbelievable, I know, when the unbelievable happens to believers, I don't know if you can see that very well. It, all, it was supposed to be a thesis of that master program. 
This was mm. my thesis of that master uh, master uh, program. And something happened along that when I was writing. Why I even started writing that? And it was around a family member who lost from my husband's uh, family who lost a husband. And the man was not even ill. He wasn't oh. even ill. And so he went, um, he went to work one day. It was very snowy day, lots of snow on the ground. And of uh, nobody will ever know what happened. And so he, when he went into a tunnel, whether he lost control, whether he was tired because he had been away all day, he had a series of meetings, he had to drive back and forth. Maybe he just yeah. maybe he just sort of like fell asleep for just a minute and he went straight into a wall and he died on the spot. And uh, for me, when I went, uh, uh, because I used to discuss with the wife about uh, faith, everything around, we talked about faith, the importance of faith and all of that. And so when I went to see her, I was already worried in my mind, like, what am I going to tell this woman? Do you say to someone, God is good? How do you say that? In the midst of something like that, what am I going to say to a person like that when I get there? You know, I was so worried. Do you know the most amazing thing? When I got there, God is really amazing. I know that I, faith is very important to me, but so you're going to hear a lot about God and spirituality and all of that. And faith. But anyway, I was really amazed. It was really amazing because when I stepped into this woman's home, the first thing she said to me, before even saying to me, thank you, before even giving me a chance to hug her, the first thing she said, she said to me, Sarah, you know what? God is going to take care of me and my kids. She has two children. She said, I know that it didn't, it didn't happen to punish me. God did, did not happen so that, that, because it's nothing. I know this happened for a reason. And mm -hmm. the reason would be, it's not to punish me. So I know that God lost me. I know he's going to take care of my, me and my children. And I was so humbled by that, uh, Danielle. And I was like, I came away thinking, this was high. I went there to comfort her, but I came away comforted. That I was like, it was such an eye opener. I always thought I was a strong person of faith. And I thought mm -hmm. to myself, if that had happened to me, would I have would I have had the courage or even the 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 the, the deep viable belief to to say words like that at a time like that? You never know. Because I said, where where do you get that thing, where does that come from, from inside of you, to say something like that at a time like this, something so powerful, with such a deep belief. And so when I walked away from that, I knew that I had to put that on paper. But funny enough, that book, is that story is not even in this book, but it, it was a catalyst, you know, to yeah. writing this book. Because when I came away from that, I started asking myself, so what makes a difference because between becoming better as a result of experience, the same experience that has mm -hmm. made other people better. You see, what, what's, that, what's that thing? What's that difference between becoming not just good for yourself, better for yourself, but for your community? Because to be better, you know, the real success of any life, to be better, it means you have to be better for someone else because it's not just about you. So what did right. make that difference? And I knew that I had to. And I started researching stories of people like that. And I started saying, I need to write that story. I need to write a story about powerful overcomers of people who have had, who have gone through like 
<laughs> situations that you cannot even be, begin to imagine, but who have allowed those situations to make them not just better for themselves, but for the, the society and their world, the world around them. Mm -hmm. So that that was, uh, I think, all of those in combination and a few other things. Yeah. 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 And it is always fascinating when you hear, because you, you're right, that, that you can very much become bitter of, about mm -hmm. life or your faith or, or anything mm -hmm. when you're thrown into situations like this. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, you do a lot of, uh, you know, you speaking events and, and, and things like this. Can you kind of share with us some of the transformations, the transformations that you've seen in people that have read your books or have interacted with you uh, through your messages? Yeah, that's another thing. I'm so grateful for what I do. And of course, as a writer, oftentimes when I tell people that I write, the first thing people, some people tell me, people who are really like very courageous, I think, is that <laughs> so do you make, how do you make a living from that? And sometimes I have to think in my life to myself, like, okay, I haven't bet bread yet, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the thing is that I really I love what I do. And I used to say to myself, if I did not write, I would not know what to do if I could not write, I would not know what to do. Because if, as a result of my writing, people have reached out to me, people that I would never have met. And one of the, yeah. the amazing, uh, amazing ones that I would never forget was this woman. She had written, she wrote me from Nigeria. I never met her. And um, she had been trying to have a baby. Apparently, she had been married a long time, tried to have a baby many times and could not have a baby. And so I think she and her spouse decided to do an IVF. And uh, and they had put everything. Money was not a plenty. So they put everything that they had into it because they thought this is it. You know, in with everything we have. And then yeah. the day they got the result that it wasn't. So she said she felt broken. Mm -hmm. so, and she at the same time she had her appointment and she was like how do I explain to someone that so she just decided to go I guess she just wanted to get out of the house and not be herself she says when she got there in waiting for her own turn to come she picked up a magazine started flipping through it and she came across one of the because at at that point, my story was being serialized in this um, uh, uh, lifestyle magazine. So okay. they were like parts and parts of the story. And she came across one of the stories. And it happened to one of the stories in this book called Sylvana's Stories, also about Barrett, about mm -hmm. this woman who went through terrible things for 16 years, lost babies, IVF. You think about it, you name it, she had miscarriages. 12, I think, in total, Maybe if, if I'm not mistaken, either 16 years, 12 miscarriages, or 12 years, wow. but anyway, in the book, there's a, and so, yes, you can imagine that. She said when she read that, it felt like someone had, like God had basically come down and like lifted her out of this dark pool that she was in. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, I, you don't know who I am, but your story blessed me. Your story did something to me that I cannot, your book, explain. And she said, thank you very much for that. And I was so grateful that someone, and over the years, I was so grateful that someone could, someone send that. I felt connected to her. And over the years, uh, Danielle, I've had messages like that sent to me by emails, people just reaching, searching me out on, on Instagram. 
or sorry, on email and sending me messages and even Instagram. And sometimes, and some of them are not even Christians. I've had a, a man who is not even a Christian reach out. Somebody tried to sell him the book and he was like, oh, this is Christian. You know, I'm, I'm Islam. I, and his wife, they were also waiting for a baby. And, um, and the person said, just buy for someone. I sort of, maybe they were friends because maybe the person really wanted to just sell the book to them, a friend. <laughs> and the man bought it and he bought and read this book. And she said, a week later, I came back to buy six of the books. And he said, wow. Minister to someone, and this man was not even a Christian. And so, when I hear stories like this, when you know about what you do, you feel we all say we want to contribute to our world. We want to make we have we want to be change makers. So when you yeah. hear stories like this about what you do, it makes you feel that you are contributing to your world in what you know, and in, in the in the little in little ways that you come. And for me, that is. That is a life worth living. Yeah, yeah. even when I don't make make a make a lots of money. I think for me when I when I listen to this or when I read these emails, I'm really like very grateful that I'm I'm doing mm -hmm. what that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is uh, it is uh, incredible because when you read you you write the book, there's so much technicality in it. And then it's out mm -hmm. there and you, you're moving yeah. on to something else and you don't mm -hmm. realize that it actually is yeah. how how mm -hmm. powerful it can mm -hmm. be for somebody. Mm -hmm. That is exactly. It's very, Before, books are very spiritual. I, I see them as very spiritual. I've always loved to read. Like they, they can lift you out of the most, like the things you can't share. They, you can read just, it could just be a text in the book and you, you yeah. will come away feeling as if you're working on air, like something really powerful. And just being able to put that down, I know that it's a blessing to someone. And there's another thing, actually, when I, before I actually was writing, I used to feel that I had a dream one time where I, uh, in the dream, it was like I was speaking to a crowd of people. I knew it was a crowd of women. And it was a full call. Mm. And... Every one of them was listening to what I have to say, I had to say because they were all cheering me on. But in that dream, I was shown this woman at the corner on my right hand side. She was, and I can tell exactly to the pews where she was sitting on. And in that dream, a voice said to me, Your words are for her. Everyone may be listening, but your words are for her. And then I came away thinking that, oh my God, so what I'm doing is not just round, random. I'm mm -hmm. doing my words, certain things that I'm, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. I'm doing exactly what I was meant to do. Whether my word, because whether my words uh, are, are, is, are taken by one person or two, or two persons is actually even irrelevant because each person that the word reaches, that person carries not just him, his or herself, but other people, because those are generations, they have generations embedded yeah. in that one person. Because if you're a woman and you're going to get married, you have your own children. And your children will have children, you have grandchildren, you have friends. So whatever you can learn, whatever that you take from that, it goes, you're also distributing them. So the words that you put down in books, they are like spirits. They are like messengers. They go out there. So it's beyond you. It's much yeah. more than who you are. And so that's why actually, even when you write as a writer, as a writer, when you put words down, you have to be very conscious of the things that you put down. 
because they are you are sending them they are like messengers that you're sending they're going to go there so your words are either as they're also like the spoken words because when you speak words they are going to go out there they're either going to make grow or they're going to yeah. fall down so when you write stuff especially people who write inspirational things or inspirational people who are inspirational writings you have to be conscious that the words that you put down they're either going to pull up or they're going to pull out yeah. Yeah. or pull down rather they pull up or they pull down and so when i'm able to hear words like that i'm i'm kind of grateful that the yeah. the little words that i'm i'm able to pen they they can have that kind of impact Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, before we start talking about your new book series, uh, I'd like to know uh, what what was you say are two things that you're grateful for? Oh wow, two things that I'm grateful for. First of all, without even thinking a second, I'm very grateful for my children. I'm mm-hmm. really grateful. I'm grateful for the family that I come from. I'm grateful for the mother because you know. It's like a handing over. You know, I wrote a book called The Old Woman Who Refused to Die. And oh, when yes, people it's my hear favorite. Me, yeah. When they read about the title, they are like, oh, my God, that's a very funny title. But there's so much embedded in the title. <laughs> it's not just about the funny whatever title. It's about proper handing over. And I'm grateful for my root. I'm grateful for my grandmother, for my mother, for my father. Those three, they, they put something in me that at mm-hmm. a time in my life where I didn't even know <laughs> how my life was going to turn out, at a very difficult time in my life, the things that they put in me were like a guiding, a guiding, you know, a guiding light for me. And so when I say I'm grateful, I'm really grateful for my root. My mother was an extraordinary woman. I can't even go on and what. And then my grandmother, you know. Mm-hmm. They were like, so when I think about the things that I put in there, when I said today that I'm grateful for my children, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for how they've done, it's because what they gave to me, I transferred. And God has been so faithful that he's allowed the transpiration to stick, to bear fruit. That not only yeah. did I plant in them, God was amazing that he caused that plant to grow, to bloom, and then to bear fruit in my kids. So I'm grateful for my children. The second thing I'm grateful for is to do with my childhood. Uh, when I was uh, eight years old, I, I put that a little bit in some of my books. Actually, those are uh, some of the foundations of the way that I believe, you know, some of the things that when I was eight years old, I was, uh, I was uh, fostered by uh, my, my mother's brother, and the wife, my uncle, was he was a very, very brilliant guy. Went to school, Ivy League University. But uh, so he wanted to foster me. I guess he wanted to sort of like uh, put in me also what had been put in him by family. But my uncle was a very bookish person, very quiet guy. But his wife was a different matter altogether. <laughs> anyway, when they took me, I was... They took me to Lagos. We, I come from Akwaibom, that's in the southern part of Nigeria. And they took me to Lagos. And at that time, traveling from uh, from the area from my to Lagos was like easily could go 16, 16 hours, you know. Mm. And the idea of the foster 
was that I would be with them until I was 18. And the time I was with, with them, I was not going to be allowed to go on back and forth because they needed me to be focused and get used to you know, making that my new home. And so when I got there to Lagos, one day a friend came to visit, you know, uh, my auntie and then uh, my uncle's wife, my auntie, of course, and then looked around and I guess looked at me and 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 thought I was a very smart child based on whatever she'd asked and what she observed of me, of me. And she said to me, oh, what would you like to be when you grow up? Hmm? And yeah. I looked at her and said, I would like to be a doctor because at that time I grew up from Nigeria and in Nigeria, even to this day, say mothers want their children to be three things. To study uh, law so you can be a lawyer, study medicine so you can be a doctor or study engineer so you can be an engineer. So for a typical, to a typical uh, Nigerian woman then, even now, the point, it's changed a bit now, but then to a typical Nigerian to say that their their son or their daughter is a doctor was like, wow, big thing, or my daughter is a lawyer. What is your child? Half a lawyer, half a doctor. And, and actually, this auntie of mine wanted her children to be doctor, lawyer. She like picked up, picked out what she wanted her kids to be. You know, mm-hmm. so I said I wanted to be a doctor. And uh, so I, kept, I was actually looking up at my auntie, feeling very, you know, little girl, I was eight, waiting for her to kind of like pat me on the back and say, wow, smart little girl, you know what? And my auntie looked at me like, and I could tell as a little child, you know, as kids, you can tell someone is displaced with you, but you don't know why. And yeah. so when the visitor left, she called me and she said, so what did you say you want to be again when you grow up? And I said, a doctor also very, very excited. And she looked at me from head to toe and she said, for such an insignificant, useless, stupid little girl, mm-hmm. you really have grand ideas. And I tell you, uh, Danielle, and throughout the time I stayed with them for almost seven years, this auntie called me stupid, useless, idiot, I mean, worthless, anything that on a daily basis, several times a day, like on a daily basis, you know. And the Fearful from Fears, the book that I write, which is my uh, now my, uh, my brand, comes from mm-hmm. that. Because, you know, no matter how great you are, how fantastic you if someone tells you on a daily basis, especially as a child, these are your formative years, and they tell you you're stupid, useless, at a point you're going to even act, you believe you're stupid or even start to act stupid because it's a subliminal message to put in your head and say you're stupid, useless. And so anywhere along the way, the woman did everything I mean, it was so bad that even our own sister, a family, our own sister, the same mother, the same father, used to tell her, don't be mindful how you treat this child because you don't know what this child will be in the future. The way that mm-hmm. you treat this child, if you don't want her to be in your home, send her back to her parents. Even if it's your husband's son, you can just give any excuse, you know, you want better. Send her, be my, our own sister. So to, to know. Anyway, but anyway, sometime later, when I left, she did everything to prevent me from studying because studying was also something I loved very much. I wanted to go to school, and this was what, mm-hmm. why they brought me. But she she looked for everywhere not to get me. And because my aunt, uncle was quite, he basically not just, you know, I, I would never say that he went along with the kind of abuse because I was spit on, I was beaten, I was like, Pinched, like you name it, you know. I was spat on a, a daily, like basically I was spat on often, like I was 
<laughs> Seriously. Wow. But anyway, so along the way, I left and almost seven years later, I left. It's a different journey. You can read that in my story. One of my books is called God Does Not Make Stupid. There's a reason for that title. Mm-hmm. The whole journey process. But when I went away and years later, when I, she had determined that she wanted her, her daughter to be a lawyer, I mean, sorry, a doctor, her first daughter. And so my cousin went to school for six years. Mm-hmm. And one day, her father was uh, 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 into maths, love figures a lot. One of those usual people that you say this, that, that, and stop, and they give you answers. So the daughter picked that sort of like genetic, whatever, predisposition <laughs> to, to figures. And so but the mother forced her to, be, to go to medical school. But six years into medical school, my cousin said, I'm not doing it again. I want to go do accounting. And the mother said, if you cannot go to medical school, we are not paying for you. You're not, mm-hmm. so you can find a way. And my cousin found lost. So at that point, she sought me out and came to me. This was years after we had not gone our separate ways and they did it, but they had heard that things were good for me. She sought me out. And you know mm-hmm. that I paid a school fees to go to. I paid the university for, for her to go back to accounting school. Even later, when she had to do what they call specialization, what we call ICANN in Nigeria, I encouraged her, I gave her money to do the specialization. Anyway, why am I giving this story? Is that because you asked what I'm grateful for, I had to give you the background for you to understand. Why am I giving this story is that years later, when she came back, when people then heard, because later people then heard what she had done to me when I went her back home, people were coming to me and said, how, how is it that you have something in your mind to even pay school fees for a woman who did everything to prevent you from going to school? How is it yeah. that you're not angry? Why would you, how is it that you can even allow someone like that to come into your home? And I say, mm-hmm. why not that family? I'm grateful. The one thing that I'm very grateful that I was not bitter. I didn't, mm-hmm. so that's acceptable. I'm grateful for. It would have been very easy for me to become bitter and say, oh, she did this thing to me. Now that I'm going to let me show her that, you know, without her, I could be something. But, you know, I tell you, Danielle, sometimes I surpri- I'm surprised. I was, yes, I've been surprised at myself. There's a series of things that I did for the entire family that mm-hmm. nobody can understand. I've had family members come to me and say, where do you find the heart to do that for them, to help them in such way? But I was not bitter. So I am grateful to God that God preserved my heart. And I think it's a special grace. It is not yeah. easy to go through that and not be bitter at the person who put you through that. But God took my heart. I had to go through that because God, for whatever reason, he knew that for the person that he, I was going to be in the future, I needed to walk that road. Because yeah. how, can, how can you come tomorrow and write books like, who are you, uh, be yourself, and know yourself? You cannot walk a road. You cannot encourage someone who is walking that road properly and passionately and with feeling unless you've walked that road. And so God knew that I had, I was going to write these books at this time and he needed me, he allowed me to walk that road so that I will have something to give. Back to what I was saying, you cannot give what you don't have. If you want to be an encourager, how can you be when you have never been discouraged yourself to understand what it means? So he allowed me to walk that road. But in allowing that to happen, he preserved, he took my heart and covered it with his love so that I would not be bitter. Because if I had been bitter, the things that I do today, I would not 
be able to do. The help that I've yeah. rendered people, I would not have been able to do even then. Even for myself, I would have been a bitter, angry, like whatever. That's not to say that the things that happen that I don't look back and think, wow, things like that. But I look at it as a, a human being that says, oh, that happened. I don't look yeah. at it with bitterness. So I know that I've gone on and on. I tend to go on and on. You have to stop me. <laughs> Sometimes no. when I talk, you just say, okay, Sarah, enough, not enough. Okay, don't with that question. Let's do that. But I had to give you the context because if you don't, I don't give you context, you don't understand. You can just say, I'm grateful. For that. Why are you grateful for that? You say, okay, but why? So I needed to give you that context. So I'm no, of course. My children, I'm grateful that I was not bitter as a result of a situation that was meant to break me. Mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's amazing and you're not going on and on that's the beauty of a storyteller is there's always a story behind it so don't worry it was a wonderful yeah, like i said i'm a storyteller right i mean storyteller, yeah. i use my life story like i build a story i mean yeah and like you say you can't go on writing books about self this the journey of self-discovery or all of that mm-hmm. if you haven't lived it and a lot mm-hmm. of people tend to not tell their story because mm-hmm. there's, you know, they're either, like you said, they're either bitter about it, they don't want to bring it up, but sometimes it, it does resonate with somebody. It might not be the exact same situation, but the feelings are the same and mm-hmm. they know that they can move past it. So yeah. it's, it's important to tell those stories. You yeah. know something my grandmother used, on that note again, something my grandmother used to say, my grandmother used to say so many things that I'm using so many of her quotes in my book. But she was this kind of woman who would just give you, if you ask her, like, uh, uh, Grandma, what is it? She would tell you a story or bring you a quote and say, you know, if you don't understand that, then you're not ready to understand the wisdom I'm mm-hmm. going to have. If you can understand the, the, the quote or the geometric expression, then it means you're ready, you know, to. Yeah. And she used to say something. She used to say, uh, she said, success that does not help others, uh, that make other people successful is meaningless. And if you're yeah. rich and your wealth does not help lift other people out of poverty, then your wealth is meaningless. And then she rounded up by talking about this. I always call it the river story. And my mm-hmm. grandmother used to say, like, a river is not proper. You cannot properly say river. It's a, it's a, a river is just a pond. If it does not take, because a river must take from other rivers in order for it to and give to other rivers. So if a right. river, a river that takes from other rivers and refuses to allow into other rivers, then that river is a pond. And she said to, she will always say anything in a pond mm-hmm. is not life-giving. A pond is, is that even if something that's living in a pond, it's not actually something that you want to take care yeah. to yourself. Because anything that's in the pond is just tacos and little whatever that you're not, even if you're saying fish, you're not going to eat it. Like saying, okay, Lord, those are disgusting things. So when you're a river, when you've been given something, how you know that the thing that you've been given by your creator, by God, that you're making use of it is when you pass it on. So if you've been given the ability to encourage and you keep it to yourself, then you're, you're, you're doing your maker injustice. Mm-hmm. You're not meant to be given to yourself. Everything that you have, you're not alone in the world. We are in the universe to be part of one another's life. So if you're in the universe and you've given the ability to encourage, and then you don't pass that, you're stealing from the universe. You're doing injustice to your maker, to the one who, who gave you the gift in the, in the first place. 
Yeah. And so that's how I see when I have uh, the, the things, certain things that I've gone through, and they've been quite tough, but I look at them in a sense of a class half four. That's not to say I'm super like perfect. I don't feel the pain. Of course, I feel the pains because I'm human. But besides feeling the pain, at the back of my head, it's always like, God, what do you want me to learn as you know from this pain? This terrible thing that I'm going through, this heartache, my heartache, I'm a sensitive soul. Even though I have this kind of strong persona that, you know, this, you know, mm-hmm. exterior that seems like, oh, like, uh, what do you call the, the boss B-I-T-C-H, like, you know, sort of like, <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm a sensitive person. I feel, I, I have a such deep compassion. I feel deep mm-hmm. compassion for people, and I tend to, you know, so when I go, like, I always like, it's painful, Lord, I, I am, I'm going through, but what am I meant to learn from that? And how do I give this out? You know, yeah. and that's why the writing, what I do matters so much to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. always making huge barely some of them, but they matter to me. I want to leave this world at the end of the, my life. I want to be able to say, well, I left something that, even if it's just blessed that one, two people, they're not just one because they're a lifetime value. Generations are going to come through that. And those people will be blessed by what they too have been blessed. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those are great things to be thankful for. Let's talk about your book series. It's I when I saw them. Oh first my God. About okay. It, it is, okay. Okay. So the two books I'm talking about this book is called "Who Are You If You're Not You." If you're an egg, be a perfect egg. Don't strive to be an eggplant. Twelve tips on how to become the best version of you. It's a, it's a, and how the series started actually. Like everything else, I always say that. I mean, I'm, it's been said by others. I'm not the only one. But, you know, some of the biggest impacts you make in life, uh, Janiel, they are going to come out of some of your biggest challenges. Yeah. They're going to come out of some of your the, the most heart-rending pains, if you allow it. If you allow it. Like I said, when we talk about class full, class empty, if you see your challenges as uh, something to learn, life vital uh, uh, lessons from, you're going to, you could, the mindset is everything. And so the book happened last year. I mean, it didn't happen last year. I had this idea for these books this year, actually, and finished them. But last year, I lost my mother. My mother was the rock of her home, really, truly a rock. And so when I lost her, then went for a burial. After I came back, at that time, I was actually writing the book. I told you, God does not make stupid. And I'll tell you how that, that title came about also at the point. And when I came home, I wanted to continue. I just could not find a thing in me to write. I would take my laptop to the cafe that I sat to, you know, I said to read, to sorry, to write more. And at the end, I would write nothing. It was a very, very painful period. Still is. To lose a mother is something really terrible. Yeah. And then I, I, I was in a rut. I, I could not move. It was like physically stuck in a place. And then uh, sometime in uh, February, I joined this uh, 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 Christian faith uh, faith uh, priest worship. It's organized, it's called Alleluia Challenge. It's organized by uh, this uh, 
Cosper minister, his name is Nathaniel Bassi, is very well known all over the world. And he does this thing called Hallelujah Challenge, where we praise and worship God at midnight for about one hour, sometimes about four, you know, four times a year, depending on how it's led by the Spirit. And then on one night, on day nine, and because it's really, some of it is like 24 days, sometimes 14 days, and on day ninth of this particular one, in February of 2000, uh, to, uh, 2022, this year actually, on day 9th, he started talking about prophesying about something about birth, that God is going to cause us to give birth and have babies. And in my mind, I was like, ah, God, I've been praying about getting me out of the road. Baby is not, babies are not it. <laughs> I don't want to have a baby. I have two kids enough. They are not it. And then just as I was saying that on my mind, he now said, you know, it's not just babies alone, physical, that babies can actually be the birthing, the, the pregnancy of great ideas. If you're mm. looking for greater, you're asking God that is to, that is perfect. That this time God will give you amazing ideas that you run with. And Daniel, I had been praying to God to give me ideas, great ideas that I could that would take me, even if it meant living what I was working. And you know, one night after the challenge, and this was the challenge ended around end of uh, of uh, uh, February, and I was still praying, thinking, okay, where 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 is the, where are the manifestations of my own prayers? One night, I was uh, sleeping. And I came awake. You know how you come awake when you are sleeping and you're like, I just had a dream. And the dream was around babies, that either I had babies or someone had something around babies. But I was trying to remember. And I think that wasn't the point. As soon as I came awake and I'm thinking, oh, babies, ideas, what? An idea came on my mind to write the book mm -hmm. on the importance of self-knowing as a factor in achieving success of any kind. Came from out of the blue. No way. Can you? This was two in the morning, so it's not exactly wow. the time. I could not like say that. Oh, I went. I was thinking, and then sort of like mulling over things, and this came. It was just came out, and I knew that God had given me this idea. And as soon as that idea came, I had my. I always have my laptop by my bedside. I'm a writer after all, so I picked up the letter. You know, turn it on. I mean, sorry, the computer. Turn it on, and I started writing things it was like someone was telling me the things exactly what how the 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 structure was going to take mm -hmm. how i was going to and i started writing two in the morning by seven the following morning which was the same morning but following what of the same month by seven i had 30 percent of the first book oh, wow. i mean it's a pocket-sized book but you know i mean but there's not nothing pocket size about it. I know I was inspired. I had 30%. And from there, I just started writing. And halfway with, uh, to finishing the first, I had idea. That was when I knew it was going to be a trilogy. I had idea but for the book, part two. I started writing this book in April. By September of uh, 28, I had done presentation. I had I written, you know, like a proofread the book, send it to my editor, done everything, done the cover themselves, you know, the covers are another story, you know, done the covers, gone to the artist, had them, because the covers, they represent, I, it had to be exactly, because I had an idea exactly what the covers were, because the, the covers, they represent everything, you know, it's about this, this, this one, who are you if you're not you, you know, 
And it's about yeah. this, look at this egg. So don't strive to be an eggplant if you're an egg. And so there's, you have this main egg, wants to be an eggplant, and it's, it's turning purple on the top and then it's feet. And it's thinking, oh, I've succeeded in becoming an eggplant. But it has cracks. All of the cracks down the body of the egg, they're intentional. But it, mm-hmm. has to, it doesn't realize that in trying to be who is not meant to be, there are cracks running through him. He thinks he has succeeded. And you have the other egg standing around and looking at thinking, what the heck? You know, <laughs> what does he think he is? It's not an eggplant. Yeah. He thinks it's an eggplant. And he's looking all arrogant, thinking that mm-hmm. he's succeeded. That's the idea that I was given to write this book. The importance of authenticity, of being mm-hmm. who you are created to be. If that's not inspired, I mean, I don't know what, because I certainly could not have come up. I had no idea. I wrote this book and I started writing. I know out of this book, I had book presentation, two major presentations. I had a presentation in September and I had a presentation first of this in December. And now mm-hmm. the third part of the book is done. I, I sent it to my editor and I, I'm waiting for it to come out. You know, this between April, and now September, I mean uh, November, December. That's like less than like eight months or less. Lord, I've written three books, published them, had a presentation on up and bed. So that's inspiration. I was inspired. I noticed that out of this book, and I have podcasts, and then I start to speak, and then I start to now know where I'm going with it. That I need mm-hmm. to. I thought the audience was going to be, you know, all that. But okay, I'll come to that. But that's just what the book, From Fearful to Fierce. You know, it's all from Fearful to Fierce trilogy. You know, there's From Fearful to Fierce book that's coming. But this is a trilogy, a series on the importance of self-knowing. Like know yourself in order to become, you know, the best, you know, version of you. You know, you cannot be anything if you don't know you. Like if you tell someone, oh, I'm going to be the best writer tomorrow, but you don't even know who Sarah is. How can you be the best of what you don't even know? Or tomorrow I'm going to go out there and impact the world. How can you impact when you don't even know who is impacting, who is doing the impacting? If you don't even know who Daniel is. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, for the idea around like um, the, the, the FTF, the current. That's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a great. I just love it. It's just, it just comes together and it's just beautiful. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, because uh, I love asking this question for people because there's so much going on. You're always busy. You're ever. How do you find balance in your life between work, between writing, between family, between just taking time for yourself and not get lost in all of it? How do How do you find the balance? How do you find balance? Well, the idea, the balance is knowing that uh, you're not one linear. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you're Daniel. You do podcasts, but that's not all who you are. And so you're yeah. Daniel, you're, you're a mother, you're probably a mother, you're a friend, you're someone's lover, I call it, you're, you belong to a community. And yeah. all of this is part of, all of these things are part of who you are, who Daniel is. And so if you're a mother, for example, and you're also a child to someone, mm-hmm. you're gonna, you have a place in your heart to love your mother. But at the same time, you have a place in your heart to love your own child, and at the same time, to love your spouse, at the same time, to be a friend to, to your friends. You're not yeah. one linear. 
And so when you talk about uh, how to find, how do you find balance? Finding balance is just part of who you are. That's what life is about. It's about who you are. It's a little like the universe, you know. You're, for example, if someone were to find the universe, go to the universe and say, "Oh wow, you know, this universe, you have, you have uh, winter, you have summer, you have spring." Like these are all very extremes. How do you find? How are you able to be all of these things? And you're just one universe. And if the universe were to answer, the universe would say, "Well, that's what, that's why I'm a universe. That's why I'm the universe." You know, I'm, I'm the universe because I have all of these things. That's what makes me a universe. I, I, yeah. in, it, I, in, in it, I, I contain, I contain uh, the, 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 I contain winter, I contain summer, I contain all of this. If you were to take mm-hmm. summer out of me, then something vital is missing from me. And so because <laughs> I'm the universe, I'm able to manage all of the parts of who I am because that's what I'm supposed to, to do. So when you ask, uh, so I'm always a little surprised when people ask someone and say, how do you find it? I mean, it's a beautiful question, but I'm saying yeah. that that's, you, you, are, you find balance because uh, when you know, when you recognize who you are, you find mm-hmm. balance, you know that you're not one linear. There are all aspects of you and these aspects yeah. of you makes you, and these aspects of you, they make you who you are. So Daniel being a mother, Daniel being a friend, a, a, a daughter, a, 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 a mother to another, a friend, a lover, whatever, a part of a, a professor, an educator. Yeah. An educator who is a Daniel does not mean that uh, it's, uh, it's going to, uh, that, that educator cannot operate as a mother. Does not mean mm-hmm. that Daniel cannot operate as a friend just because she's an educator. When it's time, for her to wear the heart of an educator. She steps into that role and wears that heart and operates, you know, based on that. And when she's done with that, she goes home, she becomes a, 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 a mother, takes care of her kids. And after she's done with that, she goes on then to become a wife. All of these roles, they make you who you are. Mm-hmm. For example, if you wanted, if you were to say, I'm a career person, and then you let go of your home front, and you're not able to find a way to make that work. Even when your career works and you're successful at it, when you go home and look at your home front and you see that your children are probably not the way that you would like them to be, guess what? Your success is going to sour in your mouth because you're going to think something is not quite right here. Right. And then if you're a Daniel and your mother, you don't all you want to do as a mother and you want to be a career person and somehow you don't find a way to make that fit. It's going mm-hmm. to also have a little bit of sour and leave a little bit of your sour in your mouth because that's what you want. So finding yeah. balance is in understanding that I have a role to play as a wife. I have to play. I have a role to play as a mother. I have to play. I have a role to play as someone's child. I have a role to play as someone's uh, friend, you know, I'm going to make that work because I am Daniel. I am not one linear. I'm a human being that contains all of this. I'm like the universe with all yeah. of the things that make the, that make the universe, the universe, you know, mm-hmm. that's the way I see uh, balance. I do what I have to do. because I'm not one linear. I love that. I really love it. That's why I love asking that question to people because you never get the same answer. But I love that if you are truly authentic and, you know, you're really embracing who you are and not what everybody Mm -hmm. expects you to be, 
the balance just comes. Exactly. That's it. You just said it. Like when, it's only when you run after things, like the yeah. important thing is in knowing that you want to be. Yeah. Whether you want to be a mother, want, want to be a career person. If all mm-hmm. you want to do is to focus on giving, being a mother, like a full mother and take a job like a part-time, you should not then run around and say, I want to be a, a ball ass, whatever, you know, boss yeah. lady. If you're not, if you're running after that kind of life because someone else is doing it and you see them doing it, guess what? You're not, and they are successful and they are happy. You're not going to be yeah. happy because that's not who you are created to be. So the yeah. balance is knowing who you are and knowing that you're composed on all of this. And then when you want it and know based on the knowledge, your knowledge of yourself, that you yeah. this, know that you have to make them fit because I love you're it. Not Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm taking that <laughs> wisdom with me. I love it. It's just, it's just so, so easier to understand and, and not to be too hard on ourselves when we do feel mm-hmm. a little out of balance because it's something mm-hmm. that's going against who you are. So mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. With, uh, okay, you talked a little bit about your trilogy with the, with the new books, but what are you uh, working on right now? What's next for, for Sarah? Yeah, okay. Oh, well, I've just finished. I've just sent off my, uh, the, third of the trilogy called Be You, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you have the first one says, who are you if you're not you? And the second one says, so you know you. Now what? Yes. And the third one is you. So someone once asked me, there's something in the book. Someone was say like, you put one and say, you've talked about who you are. Who are you if you're not you? And then you talk about be you. And they said, is it not one and the same thing? And I said, no. Because mm-hmm. if you're talking about know who you are, if know you, and then you say, be you. How can you be something that you don't know? So yeah. myself, makes a, when you talk about knowing who you are, it's to go into yourself and understanding Daniel, for example. Who is Daniel? Daniel can wear many hats. But deep inside, what matters to Daniel? Because mm-hmm. who you have, they're based on the values, what matters a lot to you. And you, your values are going to be different. Mm-hmm. What matters to me is like, for example, if you say, for example, if I, I did not have friends in my life, I would not know how to live my life. If I did not have that crowd, there are yeah. also other people who are very happy just to be by themselves. They are not very much into crowd. And if you're a crowd person, you're looking at them, them and thinking, how can they just be so alone and be happy? So right. the, thing is in, the thing there is in... Uh, like it's it's knowing, and so now it then as so now that you know you, so what next? So the idea yeah. is that is it okay to just say, okay, I know who who I am as a Daniel? What what do you do with that knowledge? Because yeah. you are not uh, no, you're not uh, nobody's static. Human yeah, beings, you are fl- like fluid in the sense that you're meant to like constantly. At, I don't know to call it regenerate. The person yeah. that you were yesterday is not who you are today. And the person you're going to be tomorrow is not definitely not, not who you are today. That's why when I say, for example, know who you are, you know, 12 tips on how to become the best version of you. The best version yeah. of you is constantly changing. And so the idea is to know you so that you can take that knowledge, what, what matters most, what your values are, and constantly make the best of yourself so that you mm-hmm. can become best for yourself. But for because we are all custodians, that's how I see. Each, yeah. every, each every human being is a custodian. 
Think about it. If you are properly, if what you've been given course study of, if you're proper uh, a keeper of what you've been given course study of, the environment, the world around you will become better for it. Think of some of the terrible people that we find in our world. Because of them, we have uh, certain things, certain, I don't want to go into, I don't want to mention them because it's, it's quite obvious. But think of some of the biggest calamities of our world. You know, yeah. they were started by someone, someone who had something they were given, but they yeah. didn't give it in a good way. And because of that, the world suffer. And every time a portion of the universe suffer for any the time span of the universe, it carries on to the next. You know, yeah. so that's so. Who I so what? Once you know who you are, what next? Is it okay to just say, okay, I know who I am now? But that's no. You have to constantly, you know. It's not a question of like. It's not like you are looking at yourself and say, because somebody was saying, is it like because you are never satisfied? No, it's not about being never satisfied. It's about knowing yeah. that you're not supposed to remain static. For example, you gave birth, you were pregnant, yeah? And you were very joyful yeah. that you were pregnant. And then, was it okay to say, okay, now I know I'm pregnant. That's it, sit down. Okay, I've achieved it, I'm a pregnant woman, not barren. No, you wanted to give birth to what you were pregnant with. And then you become, you've given birth. Is it okay to say, oh, I've seen the face of my baby I love. Static, stay there, baby. No, you started to nurture the baby, to grow the baby. And the baby now becomes an adult. And do you now say, oh, they are, okay, hands off, finish? No. That person became a mother to someone, a parent to someone. So you constantly. So the idea really is that once you know who you are, what do you do with what you know? Yeah. What next? Yeah. How do you use them? Not just to better yourself, but to better your environment. And the next one, the, the last one, the third in the trilogy is called Be You. To be you, who you were meant to be. I, I think that is very much self-explanatory. Don't yeah. run away. Don't don't run after crowd. Don't be pulled along by crowd. Sometimes being you can be very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's why it takes courage. But if yeah. you are willing to do the work to say, you know what, I was I was born into the world not to even twins. Most twins who come, they come out separately, no? Even the ones who are identical twins, they're probably in the same side. When they're coming and the both of them are not coming. So everyone comes <laughs> to I think that's a very, if we need yeah. to know, a, a very spiritual, you know, example of, of uh, importance of authenticity. Mm -hmm. That we were created as an individual, beautiful person, Standing on your own, you live with others, but you came in a unique person. That's a very typical spiritual understanding of uniqueness. Yeah, we lose that when we come into the world because of the things we say. Like everybody says, you have to be this way. Expectations, societal, you know, family, social, mm -hmm. all kinds of expectations hit on you. And sometimes we live our life at the end. You're so lost, and you start to think, what's the point of life? The moment you start to ask yourself, what's the point of everything? Then you're not living who you were. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 uh, <laughs> that's I love it. <laughs> and that's what's amazing about this is 
there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people write about how to become you, how to find out who you truly are, how to find your authentic stuff. But then you're kind of left high and dry. You're just like, okay, so now I know who I am. Now what? And you take it that step further. You take it further and say, okay, well, what does that look for you now? And then once you figure it out, then, okay, then be you. And I love that. I think it's wonderful. Uh, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I can't wait to see those books. Um, before I go, before we end this, I wanted to, it's a question I asked you. I, I like that you mentioned that earlier in, in your story when you were eight years old, but I always ask the grownups this question because you said it again now. We're continuously growing. We're continu- continuously moving forward. So what would you like to be when you grow up? What does Sarah want to be now? I thought I was (laughs) rude. What would I like to be when I grow up? Well, Daniel, I would like to be, you know, unapologetically, undeniably, and fearlessly Sarah. You know, like Italians like to say bastard, and bastard means enough, stop. There's no going further. So I want to be me because that's the whole point of, of, of of the book. I want to be unapologetically, unapologetically because if you are who you are created to be, you'll be able to also move out into the world. Undeniably, because if you're on the path of your life, you will not always be butter and sunshine. You know, mm-hmm. you will bring out everything that, everything embedded in each of us. We have something yeah. special. You'll be able to bring it and let it shine. You know, mm-hmm. I'm fearlessly, fearlessly because, oh my God, Danielle, a lot of the reasons, the recent, the barriers to our greatest inability to com- accomplish anything, to be who we is because of fear. And yeah. oftentimes those fears are fear of what, or fears of what someone would think of us. What would they mm-hmm. think? What would be their opinion? Fear of other people's opinion. If I do this, yeah. what do they think is of me? And because of that, we put ourselves in a box. We nail ourselves in a box and we're not able to. And mm-hmm. so when I grow up, I would like to be unapologetically, undeniably, and fearlessly me, Sarah. Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, was, yeah that, that's that's. I think that's. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this that's it, all it, you need to be. Yeah, and I pray that I'm able. Like this is always my prayer. I say, God, help me to be me. Mm-hmm. Help me to be the person that you created. Help me not to. It's a struggle, like I said, you know, because I'm a people person. Help yeah. me to constantly know that I can be in the crowd without being, you know, without being of the crowd. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. You just I don't want to get influenced by the crowd. the crowd. You know, I can be in the crowd and be that and can still be, I'm part of the crowd, I'm sitting, laughing, whatever, without being of the crowd, of the crowd, without wanting, I mean, be of the crowd and just being happy with who Sarah is. Listen, appreciate everyone and then just, be very and not be afraid to be who I am, whatever. Because oftentimes, what you are, people are not going to be comfortable, especially me. I have a strong voice. I tend to have yeah. a strong personality. I know that. And oftentimes, I'm not going to be, people are not, I mean, I'm very careful. I don't like to hurt people. I try not mm-hmm. to. But sometimes, people are not going to, people have their insecurities. Some That's people, right. when they have 
especially with strong personalities, other people will have the insecurity rather than try to identify and deal with it. They're going to put it mm -hmm. up on you and think, oh, right. I'm bad because you know. And so in that case, if you're not careful, you're going to they make you walk away feeling mm -hmm. apologetic about you, apologetic about your person. And you walk away beating yourself. I'm thinking, okay, what, what was I doing? No. As long as you walk, as long as you know you walk away from it and you're convinced you know yourself. The important thing is to assess your life, no? Mm -hmm. And walk away. As long as you walk away knowing that I did not hurt anybody. I didn't do anything. So, And then even if you feel that you've done something on toward, you sincerely open your mind and say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, but I'm sorry if you take it. Convincing yourself. You can walk away with your hair held high. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be you. You, you have to be you. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. I love it. Yeah. Now, how can people follow you uh, or get in touch with you if anything like that? Where can you share? And I will put it in the comments and the description yeah. of the uh, the episode. But how yeah. can people okay. reach you if they like? Okay, like I said, my name is Sarah Udo Gross Fadna. The name <laughs> is there. when you when Daniel puts it out there. Uh, my name is very kind of, I think my name is very unique. <laughs> I'm a unique person, <laughs> even if I say so myself. Anyway, just a joke. <laughs> um, my name is very unique in the sense that even in Austria, with the name Grossfordner, it's very, very rare. In fact, in Austria, my, my husband's uh, husband, whatever, family is probably the, they are probably the only ones with this name. And so when you take that name, Sarah, it's very common. Udo is very common for my area. But when you put that together, so if you go on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Sarah Udo Crossford, mm -hmm. from Fearful to Fierce. I'm very active on, uh, on Instagram. I have from Fearful to Fierce, which is focused specifically on my writing. I also have a private account, but from Fearful to Fierce. And then on also Facebook, from Fearful to Fierce. So whenever you see from Fearful, fears that's my brand because it's my domain i've bought that domain so when you see from fearful to fears it's sarah and then yeah. uh, of course with the name surrounded across now if you clicked on that and say like the old woman let me take this one because it's it's more interesting because it's, it's so catchy it's easier for people to remember so if you go there and say the old woman who refused to die on amazon <laughs> and then if you put the name and you see that you're going to have my books pop 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 up and so you yeah. can buy my please buy my book and buy for Christmas. Yeah. Give people for gift as a present. I think it's a wonderful thing to give, like the trilogy yeah, to fear to fear. Trilogy is a wonderful thing. And for those, I don't know for, for if there's ever if there's a German person out there looking listening, <laughs> one of my books is out in German, but he calls me blessed is also out in in German. Trust them being ich gesegnet. I mean. When you put my name, you have all my names. And then, of course, yeah. the new books are coming. So I have um, two new books coming. Okay. Like, uh, uh, God Does Not Make Stupid. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very special book. This is an in-depth of my life story from when it all began, when I was eight, yeah. you know. So that would uh, next year. That's a project from next year. And then, of course, I do some podcasting. I do a little talk, little bits of video. So, yeah, you can get me. But please find my book, so please, so Absolutely. that I can have this content that are yeah. empowering. Uh, so we can walk this path together and help uh, <laughs> become the best version of ourselves. 
That's right. That's right. And yes, you do want to buy our books. They're, they're absolutely, like I said, there's a diversity of powerful messages in all of the books. So absolutely, you need to go on Amazon and get them. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Like I said, I could talk to you forever, um, but we do have to we do have to close the, <laughs> the episode. But thank you so much, and uh, well, definitely you're always invited to come back on whenever you can. And uh, it's such yeah. a pleasure to talk to you. And you, Danielle, like I said, such thank a pleasure you. to just come in here. I think that everyone would have been by what, but it's such a joy to 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 talk mm-hmm. with you. Um, Really, really super happy. We're the same uh, in the same circle, so to say. And uh, yeah, sisters, yeah, you know, like apart from just being my master uh, creator, <laughs> like <laughs> no, definitely my beautiful <laughs> sister. <laughs> Thank you for hosting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And for everybody who is listening or and watching, don't forget again to uh, like, follow, or subscribe to the channel you're watching us from or listening to us from. And uh, that way you can get notifications. And don't forget to look at the description or the comments below. I will ha- add all of Sarah's information there so you can follow her as well. So thank you again. And for everybody listening and watching, until next time, stay safe, stay awesome, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.